Good afternoon and welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield on location in Tucson, Arizona, as Water Street Advisors is having their EDGE conference taking place. But we are going to get the chance to talk today with Arlen Sudum of Stonex. Arlen, by the way, is going to be a speaker tomorrow during the event here in Tucson. But we're going to take a hit that looked at the happen on those beans. We'll also talk about the rain factors and What's going on in some of those wetter areas? Are they starting to dry out? What concerns that they have with this crop going into the rest of their growing season and, of course, subsequent crops thereafter? We'll take a look at the box beef numbers as well as a lot more on today's episode. So, Arlen, can I, let's start out talking a little bit. What are your thoughts on these soybeans? As you mentioned to me earlier, they took a big hit today in the trade. Yeah, you got to feed a bowl every day. And since it started raining here after the first of the turning of the calendar, really, in the dry areas of Brazil, it's been hard to feed the bowl. And so, you know, we probably will see lower production numbers yet. We may even do more damage to the crop yet. But for right now, there's really nothing to feed the bull to keep the funds holding on to their length, particularly when we've done some chart damage. And so they're selling their positions, they're selling off, and the momentum is to the downside until those dynamics change. Where do we go from here? I mean, this is a market that's had some struggles, but even at the end of of 23, Obviously, everything kind of hinders on what happens to the south. It, it really does. Brazil is a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of stuff on social media. And um, we all like to have our ears tickled, so to speak, of what we want to hear. It's very important that we try to hear everything, not just what we want to hear. And that's what I try to do, too, is, is, is talk to our people. And even among our people in Brazil, I get differing opinions. But here's the bottom line of it. Um, in order to see, a, if we get a rally in U.S. soybeans, rallies are meant to ration demand. And so we have to have a fundamental reason to justify rationing demand. So what does that mean? That means we've had a sufficient increase in demand and doesn't take much right now because our balance sheet is relatively snug. Um, We have to have a sufficient increase in demand to tighten our supply up even more, justifying a price to rally demand. Right now, that means a a short enough South American crop ahead of our harvest, our harvest in September. And so as we look at the South American crop, we look at uh, their harvest, they're harvesting now. They're in the early parts of their harvest. They have beans available. In fact, if you look at the bids for um, beans to be shipped in February, Brazilian beans are priced about a dollar cheaper than U.S. Gulf. If you look at beans to be priced for March shipment, they're about a dollar fifty cheaper than Brazilian beans are, or Brazilian beans are about a dollar fifty than U.S. Gulf going to China. So the problem is not on the front end. There will be beans to ship, and Brazil is buying those for those shipment windows right now. Um, the question is, will it be short enough so that South America runs out of beans before we harvest in September? We don't know that yet. And keep in mind that's not just an equation of Brazil, but Argentina. Argentina is expected to double its production. It crushes most of its beans. But with a big crop, it'll have extra beans to harvest, uh, to sell as uh, whole beans as well. Paraguay, Uruguay also expected to have more. Between those three countries, uh, we could see another 15 to 20 million metric tons of exportable supplies to offset losses in Brazil. So I anticipate we probably need to see a, a Brazil number in the low 140s before South America as a whole would drop production enough to run out of beans by before we harvest start and then it comes down to 
would China bid to get what beans it can from us to ration that demand? Or would they simply live off of their reserves? That we don't know. But regardless, we don't have to know that or what or we won't necessarily know that for many months yet. And so that's why it's very important that producers understand those dynamics for making their risk management decisions. So they look at the rain, though, that's happening in Brazil in certain areas. Is too much rain too much at this point? Well, there's a lot of differences in the crop maturity levels. Mato Grosso is the m- most productive area, and part of that's because of its size. And despite some of the um, impressions that are given on social media, Mato Grosso planted fairly well in time. There are obviously pockets that planted late, and you'll hear stories about replanting. That was about 15 to 2% that had to be replanted. But they were about 95% planted by the 1st of November. really surprised me. They did really well. Um, so their beans are being harvested, starting harvested now, and we're getting to the point where weather doesn't matter as much for them. There were significant delays for northeast Brazil because it was very dry. So we need to see those rains continue in that area. Southern Brazil, where it was very wet, also delayed planting, so it got in late. And we need to see rains come back to that area where it's been drying out to support those yields. That's where all the variability comes. The winter corn crop is largely planted in that Mato Grosso area. And that's where the timing is there. If we don't stay wet now, we should be able to get much of that crop planted. That's going to be a key. Because that turns into a market influence once again for U.S. producers. Oh, it really does. Now, we have more corn on our balance sheet. We have a little bit more playroom there with corn than what we do soybeans. But the variability in Brazil is much greater with the winter corn crop. And when they have adverse weather for the winter corn crop, they can see much smaller corn crops there, which that directly impacts their ability to export. They've got some areas that have dried out from the rain, so that's a good benefit. Yeah, they certainly have. In the south where it was extremely wet, they dried out and they needed to. The question is now will some rain start coming back to feed the crop? And it looks like they will at this point. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of today's channel, Final Bell. When we come back, we'll take a look at um, what some survey numbers are saying as to yields. Again, you know, you see a lot of that chatter on social media. We'll get more into the meat of that. Speaking of meat, we'll take a look at what's happening on the livestock side as well within their trade, any other influences that we might see as we really hit this first full week. Well, not full week yet, but partial full week of the new year of trading. More is coming up. It is the channel final bell from Tucson, Arizona on the Rural Radio Network. A best of both worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. At KRVN. Welcome back now to the channel final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Sudama of Stone X. It's always nice, Arlen, to, to have you uh, sitting next to me as we talk. I wanted, before we um, jump into some survey numbers, you are going to be speaking here at the event uh, with Water Street tomorrow. Kind of give us a, a nutshell of some of the things that you want the producers that are in the room to walk away with. 
Yeah, one of the things that I'm going to be going into and talking a little bit about our producer surveys, our customer surveys. Now, in the United States, when we estimate the size of the crops, we do our customer surveys. Our customers are primarily commercial entities, grain elevators who have agronomists who are talking to farmers. In Brazil, it's a different makeup. Our customers are primarily farmers. And uh, one of the things from my days at Farm Futures, remember, and surveying farmers, a lot of times it comes up very close to what our commercial surveys do. Um, but when you get an adverse weather year like they had this year in Brazil or we had in the United States, um, the first tendency is, oh, how bad is it? And, and you start to fear how bad it may be. And so the production estimates, the yield estimates really start to plummet and, and start to put in a worst-case scenario. And then about harvest time, you realize, well, it's not quite – yeah, bad, but maybe not quite as bad as we thought – and the, it bounces back up. So we're kind of in that scenario right now. We started off with our first survey, November 1st, putting the crop at 165 million metric tons in Brazil. And then uh, December 1st, it was 161.9 million metric tons. Then our January 1st survey brought, brought it down 9.1 million metric tons to 152.8 million metric tons. So we've come down a long ways. How much further will we go? How, much, how close are we to that bottom point? Then we bounce back. How much do we bounce back? And that's probably yet to be determined by where we go from here on the weather with those late planted soybeans I mentioned, late planted primarily in northeast Brazil, which is a lower concentration area, and then southern Brazil. And so it's going to be a couple months before we fully know that. If you had to ask me now, and I've talked to some of our people in Brazil, our team members down there, uh, just what my gut would say right now, probably upper 140s, um, million metric ton, maybe somewhere around 150, 147 to 150 somewhere. To me, that's not enough to, based on what we said in the first segment, to justify rationing U.S. demand with higher prices. But the possibility is still there because of the uncertainties outlined that it still could fall further yet. And if we got down into the lower 140s or even upper 130s, then we'd be looking at some late summer, early fall problems and trying to supply enough soybeans. I want to switch gears just because of time and take a look at this livestock. And a cattle market that saw some struggles on the day today, but some say we've got some weather influence that's working into these numbers. Yeah, we do. We've got some some snow coming into the forecast, some cold weather into the forecast. We've done really well, and we've had some record carcass weights as a result. Now we're going to be challenging that somewhat. Maybe the meat complex needs that to some extent, not to wish bad on any uh, feedlot operator out there. Um, but our carcass weights have been high, um, and we've been looking now past the holidays. We're seeing those box beef prices really taking a hit, especially the choice cuts. That's been a real problem for this market, trying to hold it up. Um, we're going to take some weight off these cattle if this weather forecast holds. That'll help to some extent with that supply situation. Our packer margins are really taking a hit, so we may see the packers slow the chain speeds. It's coming in right about the same time in here. Maybe we can get some stability in the cash market with that. All right, today's higher hogs. Is it a flash in the pan, or is there some hope? Not much change fundamentally. We bounced right off of some trend line support and some uh, technical aspects on the charts, and the short covering kicked in, and the momentum trading algos really took it higher off of that. So this is the first time you and I have gotten to talk into the new year. What's, what's something that you're looking at in this first quarter to really keep an eye out for? 
Well, it's not necessarily the first quarter, but I am watching Fed monetary policy and Wall Street's response to that. We've been in a commodity deflationary mode now for the last 21 months while the Fed's been pushing rates higher. The expectation of the market is that now we're going to turn the corner and take rates lower. Um, I see inflation kind of having a bounce back. Doesn't necessarily mean we go back to the highs we were, but a bounce back. But the bottom line is, if the market starts in, based on the studies we've done, if the market sees inflation um, is kind of holding and starting to come back again, history tells us that they start putting money back into the commodities. And then you can start rat balancing supply and demand or, or yeah, managing supply and demand is the word I'm looking for at a higher price level. doesn't mean a bullish commodities, but it means we take out some of the bearishness and it gives us some opportunities to have some rallies that we can then sell going forward. And that gives me a little bit of encouragement, maybe by the second or third quarter. All right, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com over on X, formerly Twitter. My handle is ArlenFF101. And that has been today's channel final bell being brought to you by all the channel seed professionals. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. You can pick up the channel final bell as a podcast through our website at ruralradionetwork.com or better yet, where you download your favorite podcast for free. It's the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network. <laughs>